everyone, and welcome to another episode of Leslie Said What? Oh my goodness, guys, this just keeps getting better and better. So for those of you who um, are just joining us, uh, guys, this has been a temporary, I thought it was going to be a temporary series for just a few weeks, but it has just kept growing and growing and growing. More and more people have come to my mind to bring on to hear their stories, and I just can't help it. So I just keep going. Hey, so why not, right? The best part about it is it's the show I created. So, hey, I guess I'm my own boss in this situation, right? So we can just keep it going and keeping it going. Um, but tonight, we have an amazing guest. And, guys, I'm super, super excited. Um, and as always, if you are new or if you don't, you don't aren't aware of how this show works, you can join the conversation. That's how this works. Leslie said, what? So yeah, this show is about talking and discussing the things that you feel like, eh, you know, should be discussed, but it doesn't always get discussed. So yeah, all the limits are off when it comes to this show. Now we're not going to be vulgar or anything like that, but we do want you guys to join the conversation. All right. We see somebody in the comments already. Well, hello, Michelle. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love you. Um, so like I said, guys, always feel free to join the conversation. Tonight on the show, we're going to have Dr. Sylvia Traymore Morrison. Oh, my gosh. I met her this past uh, summer at the LOLGCA conference. And guys, I'm telling you, I was blown. She was sharing her stories and my mouth was just wide open. So I'm so glad you guys get the opportunity to hear from her. So when I literally, when my dear friend June brought it up that I should reach out to her, I'm like, oh, duh. Let's see if I can convince Dr. Silver Traymore Morrison to come on my show. Uh, right? Because it is such an honor. So guys, for those of you who do not know, uh, Dr. Traymore Morrison is the first black female impressionist and she's the first associate writer on saturday night live also that was a black female and she can correct me if i'm wrong because i'm not sure but i think that's how he said it <laughs> but she's gonna get on here and tell you guys all about it oh uh, well hello oh, i'm glad you love me too michelle and hey tina um and yes yeah, she is amazing michelle like for real Hey, Chris, glad you guys are all here. You guys have to listen to this. All right, so let me just stop talking, okay, and bring her on, okay, because enough for me, right? You guys see me all the time. Without further ado, I want to bring out Dr. Silver, Sylvia Traymore Morrison. <laughs> Hello, Leslie. Hi, it's so glad. I'm so glad you are here. You have me all pumped up, just your energy alone. I'm like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> What? I am glad. Leslie said, what? Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm so happy you're here. I'm telling you, it was such a pleasure to meet you this past summer. I'm telling you, I was just drinking it all in. Because, like, nothing is like hearing it from the person who experienced the different things. Like, I sometimes I'll sit down with my, my great-grandmother and my dad and my mom, and I'm just drinking it all in. I love hearing people's stories. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you are blessing us with your presence tonight and sharing your story yeah yeah uh, <laughs> actually earlier today i was i was watching a, a session i did on howard university television which aired last night no night before last i forgot what night it was <laughs> you anyway, like it aired. they took a whole big portion of my story and and put it into one presentation and it was wonderful and i said 
oh my God, how'd they do that? And then I get to go on Leslie's show on Monday and and give up some more information. So there you are. There oh. you go. Well, well, hi, Michelle. I wanted to say hi to Michelle. Oh, yeah, Michelle. <laughs> she says hi, Michelle. <laughs> oh, um, yes. Oh, and hello, Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining us, Sister Becky. Um, but yeah, so Dr. Morrison, talk yes. to us. Tell us your story. We want to drink it all in. Oh, you know what, Leslie? Here's the, the, the beauty of it is, and I've been doing this now for 53 years. Wow. Been doing comedy for 53 years. Clean comedy, too. How about that? Look, look at that. Okay. It's possible. Yeah, yeah. And I did my very first professional show, not show, but my very first professional show with a real stage and a real audience and a real, real setting in Washington, D.C., where I'm from. I grew up 12 blocks from the White House. Okay. And every time I say the people go, oh, you didn't know. No, no, no. It was not what you think it was. Believe yeah. it or not, I, we were in the heart of the ghetto. The White House is like, I mean, it's it was surrounded by the ghetto. And the history behind it is fabulous because the reason why there were so many Black people in that area is because back during slavery, when the senators and the congressmen and all the big wills would come to Washington, they would leave their help right near the White House so they wouldn't have to travel all the way from Maryland and Virginia, you know, so they would leave their slaves and help and whatever right there. So when they died, they'd leave the properties to the Black people. Wow. People. So we were just everywhere. And of course... Uh, the the houses weren't like big, fabulous, beautiful mansions. They were yeah. little raggedy homes in D.C. But that's that's what happened. So my family happened to have one of the houses uh, that was twelve blocks from the White House. So oh, I got through that. And that's and, amazing, um, though. Yeah, and and but people, you know, today they say you did, and I'm like, I did, but it wasn't. Did, did. no, no, it wasn't like you guys think it is. Yeah. Uh, and even as a kid, I used to wonder. How that big old giant pretty white house was so big and no children lived there. We never saw kids come out to play. Because see, I could walk from my house to the corner. There was the most powerful house in the world right there. Wow. And so it was, yeah. So my very first professional show was in Washington, D.C. at a place called Constitution Hall. And uh, they call it Dar. Constitution Hall because DAR, D-A-R, stands for Daughters of the American Revolution. Oh, yeah. I'm giving a, oh, I, I, and you know what? I never give this history. I never do because I most time forget about it because there's so much other stuff going down, you know, coming up the road that I want to tell people about. And so I did my first show at DAR Constitution Hall in 1969. Wow. <laughs> 19 and wow. A lot of people go, wait a minute, I wasn't even born yet. You know, no, I'm doing this for 53 years. And uh, it's amazing because when I first realized that that's what I wanted to do, I couldn't make up my mind between singing and doing comedy because I was a singer at first. Oh, you know, I could. So I figured. There was so many, and I, and you know what? When I do that, I think about you because I watch all of your video. I watch everything that you put online, and I just get so tickled. It's so much energy that you. I love what you do. So, oh my gosh, yeah. that's amazing! Yeah, I, I watch it all. I watch you all the time, and I just. Oh my I, gosh, I feel honored. 
honored. And I know it's, it's an interview, but I got to say this about you because I I don't know how you come up with all that stuff. Oh, you come up with so much different stuff, and then you put it all together, and then you present it to the world, and everybody loves it, and then you move on to the next thing. And I'm like, <laughs> look, I, I was like, Leslie said what? So, <laughs> exactly. That's what it all comes down to. I'm so yes. real. You never know which way I'm going. Uh, you never do, and that's what I think I love. As soon as I see your new your new post, I'm pressing to see it. So good well, for I you. So so grateful. That is awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. I love. I simply love your energy. I really do. <laughs> oh, here we you. here I am, like a little eight, seven, eight, nine, ten year old kid trying to figure out how to get on national television. Because another thing, you know, in those days we had four channels, and you rarely saw black people on TV. You, wow. I mean, you. If we saw, quote a colored person unquote on tv every black neighborhood in the in the in the universe i believe we go it's a colored person on tv it's a colored person on tv we were so proud we were just so happy to see that mm -hmm. so i didn't really see i didn't even know that female comics existed mm. and other than the fact that mom's maybe way before me was a comedian but she was the only person that i knew of at the time who did comedy. And so I left the singing because I said, no, no, no. A lot of people sing, but how many people can do this? How many people can do impressions? How many people? I was like the only one I could think of. And I had to figure out a way to get on television because at that time I was doing birthday parties. I was doing weddings. I was doing living rooms. I was doing front porches, backyards. There was no, there were no platforms for me as a comedian. To wow! Show the world, right? So I had to figure out a way to get on national TV, and I'm watching TV one day, and I see the Flip Wilson show. Oh yeah, I, yeah. So I see these four black girls come out on the stage. They were absolutely gorgeous, big, pretty afros, and I said, "I wonder how they got on TV." And they must have heard me <laughs> because they said, "Well." We entered the Miss Black America contest because we couldn't enter the Miss America contest because rule number seven said, in order for you to be a contestant in the Miss America pageant, you had to be Caucasian. Hmm. So J. Morris Anderson created this pageant for black women. Oh, cool. And so I said, well, what did they do? What did I wonder what they did to get on TV? And they heard me again. So they said, well, all you have to do is have some talent. I said, that's me. I can do that. I got it. I got it. I got it. And he said, answer a question. Yes. Doc. Yes, I can do that. And wear a bathing suit. And I said, oh, wait a minute. I weighed maybe 99 pounds at the time. Oh, wow. I, said, I don't know about that bathing suit stuff. <laughs> okay. If it means I can get on national TV, I'll do it. Yeah. And sure enough. Uh, I, it, as I entered the pageant, um, there were like 140 women in, in the competition in my city alone. And uh, so they narrowed it down to like 15. And to make a really wonderful long story short, uh, I tied for first place with a girl by the name of Bernadette Stannis, oh, who wow. was Thelma from Good Times. Yeah. Yes, Thelma <laughs> from Good Times. Yes. They, 
she actually that night got the card to go and audition for Good Times. And they sent me to Europe to entertain the American troops wow. from the Vietnam War. Thousands and thousands and thousands. I'm telling you, Leslie, when I walked out on that stage, it's not all those men, you know, and it was, <laughs> you know, women in there too. But I'm saying all eyes were directed. I'm, I'm like, oh, he's cute. That was, you know, yeah, I, yeah. You're like, hello, hi, Candy. <laughs> exactly. And it was such a, a rare experience. And there was a guy back home that um, read about us in the newspapers and the magazines. And he said, who is this black girl that's doing impressions? I've never seen anybody, any black girl do that. So he said, when she gets back to the States, bring her out to California. And the guy that brought me out to California was a comic by the name of Red Fox. So cool. <laughs> okay. I tell you. So cool. And for you, those of you who don't know, know him by name, Red Fox, she's talking about Fred Stanford, y'all, from Stanford and Son. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I didn't, I honestly didn't realize the magnitude of what that meant. Mm -hmm. You know, because we, I don't, I think Sanford and Son may have been out, I don't know, maybe a year or two, but it was big. Mm -hmm. It was like big, but Red Fox was already big. Yeah. He was a comedian. You know, he was already huge. And so I went out, out to California, but my dad got sick. So I had to come back to the East Coast because I didn't want my mother to be by herself in D.C. So I came back and I moved to New York. And the same problem I had in California, which I, I, I passed over, but there were, you could count the number of comedy clubs in this country at the time. Wow. You could count them. There's the comedy store and the improvs weren't even out yet. Then it was Catch a Rising Star in New York. There was Rodney Dangerfield's Club in New York. The only club I knew of in California was the comedy store. Wow. So hold off on the part where I went back home. Okay. So I'm in California and I'm going, I go to this place called the comedy store. Mm -hmm. Never been there. Didn't know what to expect because I didn't know nothing. I knew nothing. I had no friends in comedy. I didn't know any, have any girlfriends I could call and talk about. Or I couldn't call nobody on the phone because the only comics that I knew that were big was, I didn't know them, but I knew of them. Bill Cosby, Jimmy Walker, Richard Pryor, Red, you know, that crew. Yeah. So I didn't have a girlfriend I could call up and say, meet me at the, at the comedy store. Yeah, for sure. So when I got down there, I would get in line and there would be a guy named... Jay Leno, we're all new comics now. We're, we're talking the early 70s, okay? <laughs> wow. Wow, throwback. Another guy named David Letter. Oh, maybe I should say the mid-70s, because I think the comedy store, I think, opened somewhere around 74. 70, I, I, I'll have to look it up again, because uh -huh. I get them mixed up with um with Saturday Night Live, because Saturday Night Live was was... Yeah, they were they opened in 74, 75. Yeah, I was gonna say I think they opened in 70s too. Okay, all right, right there. So my other friend that I would get in line with was a guy named Robin Williams. And Robin would always say, you know what, Sophia, you're gonna be big, you're gonna be big, you know, and he was <laughs> I loved Robin Williams. He was so he was such a good guy. He was a good guy. So um we were all trying to, you know, make it. So I had to come back home because my dad was dying. And that's when I moved to New York. Mm -hmm. And I went to this club called 
catch a rising star because just like in California, and I didn't mention this either because I, I try to skip over some of the bad stuff. Yeah. People always say, no, tell the bad stuff too, but I just like to tell the good stuff. Yeah. I'll tell the bad stuff one day. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> part of the bad stuff was nobody would let me get on stage. Yeah. You know, it's like they just didn't. Right. I've had I had guys to ask me, why do you even want to do comedy? Uh just just me. Just me. Yeah. So when I got to New York, I found the same problem in New York. You know, they had maybe three or four more comedy clubs there, but but there was <laughs> one special club that I went to, and I asked the guy who was the host, could I get on stage that night? And he looked and said, I've seen you here several times, and they never let you. You know what? Sure, you can go on the night. And that guy was a guy named Jerry Seinfeld. So cool. Jerry Seinfeld. Wow. That speaks volume of these comics character, you know? Okay. Okay. And, and people get mad sometimes. They say, you always talk about Jerry Seinfeld. I say, Jerry Seinfeld was the only one that freely let me come on the stage. In addition to another guy named David um, Copperfield, not the magician. Mm -hmm. He was a comic and he hosted at Rodney Dangerfield's club. Oh. His name was David Copperfield. And it's, I have a really good story to say in my book about uh, me needing to get on the on Rodney's stage one night when Rodney was there. But I had people, I had Sammy Davis Jr.'s people coming to see me because I had. Oh. That's a, that's a, I, the stories are long, but they're all so wonderful. And I I'm wish sure. Golly, so. And she's um, talking about jelly beans. Uh, you want? Yeah, we're gonna do that little plug at the end too because I want them to get your book. Oh, thank you. All right. And so um, now Jelly Beans is a whole different story from my autobiography. My autobiography is entitled Almost There Almost. Oh, and I don't know about that one. Oh, I that's don't know about Jelly Beans. Jelly Beans was a story that God gave me. Oh, that's a awesome. Wonderful, wonderful fictionary story that God gave me on stage. I had no oh, wow. it took me five years to write my autobiography. It took me less than a year to write Jelly Beans from Heaven. That's because, amazing. Yeah, it did. It, 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 yeah. And what's but your autobiography called so I can put it up? Say it again. I'm sorry. What's your book called? That's oh, the name of it is Almost There, Almost. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Uh -huh. And Jelly Beans from Heaven is, I, I'm so glad you even mentioned it because while my autobiography is my first, most, you know, my biggest book, uh -huh. Jelly Beans has all of a sudden started flying off the Amazon shelves. That's People, awesome. It's it's a blessing. It's a it's, it's such a blessing. And I, yeah, I believe it's because, like I said, God gave it to me while I was on stage. It's a story, and it's it it's it was inspired by my uh, tour with Whitney Houston. I did twenty three cities with Whitney, and uh -huh. the uh, the the Jelly Beans from Heaven story was inspired by her. And it's 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 just amazing. It's a wonderful story. And um, so I'm in New York and I'm doing, I'm finally getting into clubs, you know, but Jerry Seinfeld, I'd wait for him to be there to host and I'd go because I knew he'd let me on. Right. And then David Copperfield would let me on at Rodney Dangerfield's club. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't ask for better, you know. Yeah, was hey. like, <laughs> right? And at the time of getting now. Mr. Copperfield is in Europe, right? In, in London, I believe, right now. And he's really big over there. He's like a Jerry Seinfeld over there. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So it's, um, it was, it was, it was a challenging time during those days, as, as well as very challenging for women. 
Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Joan Rivers and I were probably on the same road, uh, parallel to each other. So, you know, and, and while I'm speaking of these, these amazing giants and, and especially Joan Rivers, cause I loved her with everything I had. Oh, my house, the first house I purchased in Washington, DC was Catacorner from mom's Maidley. We oh, were on the same wow. block. We lived the credit. She was the first black female comic to do stand up, and I'm the first black female um, impressionist in the country. And we both lived on the same street. And it's like that's it's- so cool. Now we that's weren't. Awesome. She, she wasn't living when I lived there, but you know her house. People recognize the house as Mom's Mabley's house. Yeah. And so now they say that was Mom's Mabley's house, and that was Sylvia Tremor's house. <laughs> That's so cool. Yay! Okay. You are seriously back history. I cannot stop smiling. Oh my gosh. It's awesome. (laughs) And and so the um the New York experience was really just unbelievable because uh while I'm working between Sunday nights at Rodney Dangerfields, uh, I think it was Thursday night at Catch a Rising Star, Tuesday nights at some club that I can't remember the name of, but I'd go there every week. It, it wasn't a comedy club. It was a restaurant. But comedy was just kicking up its heels. You know, new people were coming out, but there weren't that many comedians, unlike what it is today. Yeah. But I would always try to go out and see the new people on the scene just to see, you know. Yeah. And they didn't just come out to do comedy because their friends or family told them they were funny. They came out because they were funny. <laughs> You're like, they were funny. I mean, when I think of Howie Mandel, I met Howie in, in 78. He had just started. George Wallace. Oh, my God. George, You know, these guys epic. were like, yes, epic. I remember when Chris Thomas first started. I remember when Tommy Davidson first started. I remember when Dave Chappelle's first started. I remember when Martin Lawrence first started. I remember these when they first amazing. started. And it's like, Bam, they're all gone. Yes. And one of them, I forgot, I don't know if it was Tommy. One of them asked me, I said, well, Sylvia, how do you feel about, you know, you were right there with all of us and the guys just, you know, just took off. And how do you feel about that? So I, I don't feel any kind of way because I think God gave me a rich platform. He gave me a wonderful wonderful platform. And then they wrote in this book called, there's a book out called uh, La- laugh, be a lady. Mm-hmm. Comedians, laugh, be a lady. And it's all about the women comics who came up and paid the road for the new comics today. Oh, wow. um, and when I, they told me that I was in the book and I knew I was going to be in the book because the author had called and you know said that she'd been told, don't do this comedy book without including Sylvia Tremor because she's been out here longer than all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And Leslie, she 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 wrote something in my chapter because I was in the chapter chapter with Gene Stapleton, um, Cloris Leachman, Mary Tyler Moore. I mean, just the big girls, you know, yeah. the big name women. And I said, well, why would she put me in? I, you know, I'm nowhere there. And she said, I called her up. I said, what what made you put me in the chapter with those women? And she said, well, Miss Sylvia. You were right there with them. The only difference is they had television and you didn't. Wow. And we all know that there weren't that many black women comedians on TV at the time. Right. 
you know, that's, that's just what it was. It right. wasn't like I, mean, I it was. Is what it is, yeah. That's, it's just exactly. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, Leslie, and I wanted to say, you said what? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm sorry. I keep bringing it up, but I love you it. No, it's awesome. That's fine. And she and she said, I believe that a brown-skinned woman in that era was sort of a novice, and they didn't know what to do with you. Mm, wow, and that's I, powerful. I thought about that mm-hmm. because every time there were a couple of comedy clubs in DC in my hometown. This is my home now. Mm-hmm. There was one called the Comedy Cafe, and the other one was called Garvin's. And I've gone to each one of them, and after my first time, they never let me back on stage. It's, well, the comedy, the comedy cafe did. They brought me in one night to open for a girl named Elaine Boozler. I don't know if you know who she is. Elaine, she's a comedian who she's very famous now, but you know, a lot of times she just just has her own crew. She didn't know anything because I didn't get paid the first ten years I was in comedy. Wow! I did get paid when I went to Europe to entertain the American troops. Right. That's it. That's it. Wow. But, um, that night when I opened for Elaine Boozler, the club owner was about to pay me, and he said, "What are you drinking?" So I didn't drink. So I said, well, I don't drink. He said, well, you got to drink something. I said, I'll take a Diet Coke. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry, a Coca-Cola, because I wasn't drinking Diet at that time. And that was my pay. Wow. I got a Coca-Cola for opening for Elaine. And she didn't, I don't, it wasn't her job to know. You know, she was just there, just like me, performing mm-hmm. and getting paid. So then shortly after that, he, I just, I didn't care though. I just wanted to be on. Yeah, I just want to work. I want to be on. Yeah, stage. Just, yeah. Just, just bring me on. Bring me on. Yeah, people don't get that. It's just the joy of being on the stage. It's Absolutely. Like, and sometimes it's like that's payment enough. You know, it's oh, it's, I, it really was yeah. until you know years later I realized that I was probably the only person not really getting. I mean, not really getting any money. But no, so I he brought me that. back and to open for Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, cool. I mean, you know, now that I'm able to say all this today, I think back on it and I'm going, you know, when I was just not even in the comedy that good, I opened for Rosie O'Donnell, who was new too. She had 15 minutes of material and that is it. Really? 15 minutes. Couldn't go no further. Couldn't go any further. And I opened, but now I got paid for that show. Mm -hmm. The same Coca-Cola and $5. Wow, that uh, is mind blowing to me. Wow, and that's it was, crazy. It was really okay. It was okay then because I was getting stage time. Yeah, and the more stage time I got, the more lucrative it became in terms of popularity and people hearing about that I was yeah. out here, you know, just locally, but still it was a big deal. Cause then the Washington Post did a story on me and it started kind of growing a little bit. That's awesome. And I was like, okay, so I'm in New York and they are hosting. I mean, I'm sorry, they're roasting Muhammad Ali. Oh, wow. The heavyweight champion of the world is coming <laughs> to New York City to the Apollo Theater. Wow. It was coming. And I had to be there, Leslie. Of course. With no invitation. <laughs> <laughs> you like somehow, some way. I had 
had to get in that roast. They had to let me in that roast. Uh-huh. And I know they, they probably look at me once I said I wanted to go and say, say what? So, <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep doing that, but I, I just, I love it. So I decided I would crash the roast. I was going to crash the roast. I was You're like, I'm it. going to Benia. Muhammad, yeah. where you at, Muhammad? <laughs> and so I said, I got to figure out a way to get on that daggone roast because everybody was going to be there, Leslie. Everybody who was in. It was Muhammad Ali, 37 years old, heavyweight champion of the world, talked about by everybody, written about everybody. He, They had more books written about Muhammad Ali other than one other person. And you know who that person is? Who? Jesus Christ. Stop it. Jesus Christ is the only person that people have written more books about. Ali is number two. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. He's his thing. That's a fun fact. Isn't that a great fact? Because yeah. it's like, when you can put your name in the same line with Jesus Christ, you know, that you. <laughs> right. like, I know what you mean. Ooh. I know what you're saying. They've written more books about you other than Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. You know, you think about that's a lot of books. That's a that lot of books. Do. That's a lot. And right. so I had to be in that role. So I decided I would do my impression of a woman called Ruth Bussey, who uh-huh. was a star on a show called um, Laughing. Oh, yeah. Now, uh-huh. A lot of people today wouldn't know what laughing is, but if they. Mom, my mom it, and them talk about it all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was this little white lady who had this net thing on her head. And this white guy would come over to her and get fresh with her. And she would pop him upside the head. So I said, I'm going to pop Ali upside the head. I'm going to, I'm doing. <laughs> I'm going to hit Muhammad Ali. I'm, I'm, I'm crashing the roast and I'm going. And I had no idea if I did that, it would make me famous. I didn't know that. I, I just, I wasn't even, I didn't even have no clue. Yeah, but <laughs> history was changed. I mean, not history, but the forthcoming history was changed. I get a call from one of the girls I went to Europe with, who knew Dick Gregory, who was the producer and director of the Muhammad Ali roast, and Richard Pryor called that day and said he couldn't make it. Oh wow! And she talked him into letting me come to host. The roast of Muhammad Ali on NBC. You go. Woo! Accomplishment. You go. Now, in the meantime, I'm in Texas. I got to get a flight to DC. Then I got to get to the Apollo, which they sent to the limousine, thank goodness, and host a roast. I get there, there's no script. Oh, my goodness. There's no script. And everybody was on the show. I mean, ball players, football players, basketball players, you name it, they were on the show. Wow. So I had to go to each person. And I think about it today. If I'd had a cell phone back then with a camera, <laughs> that would have been what's up. <laughs> I see all these people lined up on the roster. He had Harry Belafonte, Fred Williamson, uh, David. Uh, Cat, Dick Cavett, I mean, just all kind. LaWanda Page, uh, oh my God, Garrett Morris from Saturday Night Live, who is responsible for me getting a job at Saturday Night Live. It was because of that night. Look at that paving the way. 
Not say it again. I'm sorry. I said, look at you paving the way. I was just, and you know what? It's amazing because, like, today, like you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You don't know how much of history is going to record all of what you're doing now. Right. I mean, I even said it early, earlier before we came alive. I go and watch you every day, every day. Oh I want to see what's new. And who knows what they're going to say about Leslie 30 years from now, 40 years from now. Oh my you God. see, this woman never tired. She went on every day and bought a, a film. She put something out there every day. And she was the only one that did da, 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 da. See, when, when you're making history, this is what I've learned. You don't even know you're making history. Yeah. So, Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, you, you, you guys, you, I hope you're listening. <laughs> you guys, a lot, of, most of you are creating history right now, right now. And Leslie, trust me, they're going to talk about you. They're going to talk about you. Oh, you are so Early awesome. 40 years from now, they're going to talk about you. Watch up. I, oh I just, you, know. you are so awesome. Oh my God. So, <clears throat> Tell me if, if if when you want to cut in, because see, I, I oh, can. No worries. I can great. I'm going to just pull up some of the comments. Um, Let's see. Okay. So, Mich- oh, well, hello, Ness. Ness, thanks for joining us, Nessia. Um, Michelle says, Sylvia, have you ever done an impersonation of Red? I have, but I never got a chance to do it for him. Oh. And um, the guy, I, I didn't know for years that I could do male voices. I did Muhammad Ali in front of Muhammad Ali at the Apollo Theater. And it was, I, I prayed while I was on stage. I said, God, please let this work because this is either going to make me or break me. I got to be able to. And it turned out, it, it was good. That's he grabbed my hand, as a matter of fact, walked me to the stage. He was so handsome, so built, so big, so um, just amazing. He was just, he was <laughs> He was a blessing for me because, first of all, I'd never seen a man like that. Mm-hmm. So I knew God created a mold just for him because I don't think he's ever created anyone like him again. But wow. he was in, in all of his just awesomeness. And he came out and grabbed my hand, took me to the front of the stage. And I know the question was, have you ever done an impersonation of Red? I hope I answered it, but I wanted to let you know that yeah, I've done other, other guys too. See, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then Michelle was backing you up. She said Comedy Store opened in April of 1972. You know, I love Michelle because I know, she just got your back all the way around. She and she, I did their podcast. Um, her and June's, well, you know that because yeah, that's and that's why June was like, You should get done. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know why I didn't think of it. Michelle would be, I mean, she just she's just. Look at look look at this. Look yeah, at this. she said, and don't forget her <laughs> book, "Me, Satan, God, and COVID nineteen: The Shock and Personal Truth of My Experience in, of It All." Wow, that's my third book. I had COVID in twenty twenty. Oh, okay. When I tell you I had COVID, it was mixed with pneumonia. Oh, yeah, and you know a lot of people. That's how it hit them. It was crazy. Oh, it was the worst. It was. That's why I wrote the book. Because I said all four of us were in the together in the in the room together, me, Satan, God, and COVID nineteen. All four of us, I was struggling. Thank oh. God for God. Thank God for God. I'm telling yeah. you, it was it was it was. Whoo. Oh, I can only <sighs> imagine. Yeah, because when it's mixed with pneumonia like that, that's the next level. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Let's see. And then, okay, so those are all the comments thus far. Okay. Um, okay, so you know I'm going to ask you. You got to do your whoopee for them. Guys, <laughs> you have to see her whoopee, her whoopee impression. She's, oh my gosh, I'm telling you, so like the first time you did it, you caught me off guard. <laughs> LOL GCA. Oh, like, wow. When you did it, I was like, I was like, it's like out of body experience, out of body experience. Cause I'm sitting there like, is she in there? That and is hilarious. <laughs> well, you know, when, when I first learned of, of Whoopi Goldberg, she was about to hit uh the um hit Broadway. Oh wow. She, I think she was in California and, and she got discovered out there. And I remember people come and say, Have you heard of this girl named Whoopi Goldberg? And I'm like, she must be Jewish with Goldberg, you know. Right, yeah. And then I saw parts of her play where she did the hair thing and she had a unique voice. Yeah. I heard her talking and I, I heard her one day and she was like, hey, whoopee. <coughs> she was saying, let me, let me just say this. I, you know, when I first started doing comedy, I had no idea whatsoever I was going to be able to do what I do. So there you have it. Spot on. It's so spot on. It's my oh my god, it blows my mind how well you do that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yes. yes. And I saw yes. the other day because I've obviously I stalk you too on social media. Um, I saw your Tina Turner. I said, look at her. You are sharp as a tack. Oh my god. Yeah, I was Tina Turner. The impression of Tina Turner, and I laughed because I saw saw when Beyonce did Tina for Tina. Uh -huh. And she mentioned to her, she mentioned something about being out of breath. You know, how she wondered how she could do that. And I loved what I was doing so much. And when I did my Tina Turner impression, it, I did it two or three times a night in different clubs as the club started opening. And it was the Tina Turner impression that Whitney Houston was impressed with and said, she, you know, when I finally met her after the show, I did a show for her in D.C. And she said, you know what? When I go on the road, I'm gonna take you with me. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna take you with me. I'm gonna take you with me. <laughs> sure enough, even though she opened her tour with a nut with a, a guy, and I don't know if she did because she promised me she was gonna take me on the road. Whatever happened, it didn't work out, and she called me and said, "Can you be in New York tonight?" Amazing. And I did 23 cities with her, and it oh was the gosh. blessing of a lifetime. But she was in her moment. She was in her yeah, the in her power. Yeah, she was with me. Like she I mean, just finished. Um, oh, I'm gonna dance with somebody. That that song. Yeah, okay. that's, <laughs> that's like instantaneously mm -hmm. dancing. And I, I have a story. One of my <clears throat> favorite stories I like to tell about Whitney. Um, <clears throat> while we were on tour, this one particular night, uh they had delivered a, a, a dress to her room and I was like nearby. So I knocked on the door. I forgot all the details as to why I went to her room. But at any rate, um, she, she found out it was me. She said, come on in. And I went in and I could hear in the background saying, saving all my love for you. And I heard her singing. So I went in and she said, what's up, Sylvia? I said, I'm just, uh, whatever we talked about. And I saw this rack of dresses, Leslie. <laughs> I mean, the, the dresses went from one part of the wall halfway across the room. All designer dresses. And what year was this? 86. Wow. 
1986. And so I looked at the dresses. I said, Wendy, these dresses are beautiful. She said, mm -hmm, they are designer dresses. You can have one. You can have one. Oh, my God. So I looked at her. You know, she said I could have. She says, matter of fact, take a couple. Take all you want. Oh, my goodness. Whitney Houston's dresses. And you're like, okay, let me just I'll give me a second. Now. I'm trying to figure out which Sylvia I want to come out. <laughs> Do I be the classy Sylvia and just go pick one? You know, just <laughs> go on about my business. Yeah, but she funny. had to say to me again, help yourself. Take all you want. <laughs> so then this other Sylvia that, that, that grew up 12 blocks from the White House when it wasn't such a good thing came out and said, Girl, get as many of them dresses as you can. <laughs> How many can I carry? How many can I carry? So she said, Sylvia, I'm serious. Go, help yourself. And all of a sudden, Leslie, my arm said, You <laughs> 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 just pile them on there. You're like, all right, come on. Here we go. And I said, I can't do it because she's going to look at me and say, she really took 15 dresses. <laughs> <laughs> She really heard what I said. But I ended up, I ended up when I thought about it, I said, I got three three of Whitney's dresses that day that designers had sent to her. And she kept saying, No, help you look, I can't take them all home. Wow. So, wow. And you yeah. toured with Whitney from 86, like through and then 23 cities in the year of 86? Her whole love tour. I was on gotcha. the, 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 uh, the the United States portion of the love tour. I think we we ended up we finished up in August because a lot of her shows were amphitheater shows outside, so we couldn't oh, okay. go into the winter, you know, outside. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah we did. I did twenty three cities, and it was quite a journey. It was it was just so amazing. I mean that Whitney Houston at that time she was the greatest singer of her time. Yeah, you know, God I mean, gave me epic. that. Bless. He will go down in history. Like, come on, like there is nobody like Whitney. Right? Yeah, so she was for her to to take me by the hand and let me. And here's the: I wish people knew the Whitney that I knew. Every city that we went into, every single city, you'd see this big, gigantic marquee way up in the air. Tonight, Whitney Houston. And she saw to it that it also said, and Sylvia Traymore Morris. Oh, that is so awesome. See, again, cell phone, camera phones. Where were they? Where? So you could be like, a snap, snap. You know what I mean? I mean, come on. Like, it was amazing. Way past their time. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Michelle says, Sylvia, is there any advice you could you could give to anyone wanting to learn how to do impersonations or to get better at doing them? Um, you know what? That's uh, I can't tell you the number of people that call and ask me, can I teach them how to do impressions? Oh, like a master's class. And, well, the problem is I don't know how to teach people to do it. I get I get it's you. almost like because even now I just can't do an impression of anybody I want to. It's almost like God has to give them to me. That's like amazing. I just recently started doing Fantasia, uh, Britney Spears, um, and and I have to. They have to come to me. I have to hear them. I have to now. Occasionally, 
Like, I think I can do Leslie Rob because your characteristics are so like different. <laughs> but um, once in a while, if I go on the stage behind somebody and they have unique characteristics, I can hit them spot on. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how to tell people how to do that. Gotcha. So gotcha. It's, it's almost like if, if you're born with it, I may be able to help you polish it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I would love to because that's right. It would be a master class. Yeah. I might just make up the class anyway and act like I know how to teach it. No, <laughs> you like just to put it out there. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm well, only... no, but that, but that's actually like I like how you said that because it's it's this is um something that we talk about as teachers because um I'm sure I'm not sure if you know I teach high school, so I yeah and I'm I live um I teach in Northern Virginia so like thirty minutes from DC so yeah I live what part in Northern of Northern Virginia. Virginia. Um, I teach in Woodbridge. Oh, I know exactly where yeah. I was just down there yesterday. Oh, that's funny. And I live in Fredericksburg. So okay. yeah. So Fred Fred Fredericksburg. Yep. That's I have I a need. show coming up in Fredericksburg. Um, oh, I'm gonna I'll, I'll send you details. the info. I'm gonna need details. Okay. <laughs> I'll be there. Okay. Um, yeah, so um it, that's what it is with teaching because a lot of times I try to tell teachers like you know, inc incorporate your gifts, incorporate your talents and your passions in your classroom, because once you do that, then the, it, it becomes natural to you, you know, like me and my comedy. Uh, and then somebody asked me, well, can you show me how to be comedy in the classroom? I'm like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I don't know how to make you funny because uh -huh. like my, I'll have my kids dying laughing, but I don't know how to tell you to do that. Like I can only imagine that you are the best teacher ever. I would be in your classroom. You probably have those kids under control. They love. I can tell. My kids think I am a know. hot mess. They're like, Miss Rob, you're not normal. And I'm like, you right. You right. I own it. I own it. They're like, you are not a normal teacher. Yeah, that is so. Yeah, funny. but I, I agree with you. It's hard to teach them like how to do what you do because sometimes God gifts us with things, and and you know, it's not like oh, hey, we're conceited or anything like that. But it's just hard to figure out how to shift it i have no problem sharing it i just don't know how to do that so look at I michelle can't. look at look look at her have you have you ever thought about creating a dvd master <laughs> that's why i'm a good you know what see michelle's gonna have me stalking her page legit michelle's because a backup she, she not only asks the best questions but she also gives she will fix you she will have you just okay. She will find it online, answer your question, and fix it for you. So she helped me a lot when I first got started because I did. There's a lot of things I just didn't know, like um, and and I could literally message her anytime, and she would message me right back. She all even now I could still do the same, but she always would respond and hook me up. So That's she, awesome. Michelle Van Dusen, you know you the bomb.com. And you know what, Leslie? I um yes, Whitney was all yeah, class. Whitney was all class. Yes, she was. What I would have done to have friends like you guys back in the day when it yeah. was so lonely, it was so lonely, it was so and the crazy thing is, I think that God wiped all that emotional loneliness feeling away from me so that I wouldn't give up. I really believe that. Yeah. Because it was, yeah, I didn't have any, I did it was just by myself. I was on the road by myself. I was just telling somebody who was in the car with me on a road trip the other day. And they said, how is it that you know every single song that comes on the radio or on the DVD or whatever? How do you know them? I said, because all I had was music. Right. In the car. I didn't have right. DVDs and CDs and all that other. In the early days, we didn't have CDs and DVDs. We, we just didn't. You yeah. had the radio and you had a record player and that was it. 
you listen to the you could listen to Red Fox albums and Moms Made We albums and Nancy Wilson and Ella Fitzgerald, all of those people. But on the road, I just listened to music and I learned everything. So and see, if people don't understand how like lonely the comedy world can be for female comics, because we're so and still now it's not I'm not gonna say it's a rare breed, but it definitely is a like not as prevalent as the male version of comics nowadays. Like there are a lot of female comics, but as far as clean right. female comics are like a little, little, little slim pickings. Now, I do get to do quite a few speaking engagements where a lot of uh, female comics come mm -hmm. and they ask me how, why, all about me doing clean comedy. Well, it's always been in my mind that if the president of the United States was to ask me to come and do his dinner or whoever, whoever, they, whoever hires that person, you can't go to some of those event types and do what a lot of people do on stage. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, comedy is subjective. It's oh, of course. all of that. Yeah, but absolutely. it's like, for me coming up, I knew that I had to have a, a, a style. Of, yeah. Like, and it makes yeah. us a lot more versatile too. Like, absolutely. like we can go anywhere, literally anywhere. Like, pop mm -hmm. up on anywhere. We don't have to worry about critiquing our, our material, right. or shifting it or, Oh wait, make sure I don't do this or make sure I don't slip. Or in front of, and you know, children may be there. So exactly, it's just it's it's literally a one size fits all. Yeah. Um, like that one size fits. Yeah, one size fits all. Cool. Oh, that's a good show title. Yeah. Like especially for like a family comedy night, one one size fits all. Okay, look at that. I'm kind of proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly, my friend Carolyn says, oh, yes. She was saying, oh, yes, in regards to you coming to Fredericksburg, because she and I will come together. Right, Carolyn? <laughs> All right, now. Both of us are literally right here. Okay. Um, June says, hey, look at you two ladies. Love you both. Gotta love June. June, yeah, you do. You have to love June. You yes. really have whether you want to, or when you you'll want to, but just even if you yeah, don't. I don't understand how anybody cannot like June. I mean, yeah. come on. Oh, she, she is June. Was. I mean, come on. Um, and Carolyn says yes, absolutely. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, June says I know Leslie goes above and beyond for her baby. Oh yeah, well yeah, I love my students. I now those are my only babies, Sylvia, because um I don't know if you realize, but I can't have children, so. Okay. Like my students literally are my babies. So that's why June is like, yeah, I do go above and beyond a little, probably a little too much because they know they can get Miss Rob to have their back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I can only, I honestly can only imagine you, <laughs> you being one of those teachers that the kids just love. So, I mean, I ain't going to be, you know, floating my own boat, but that, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Michelle says all thanks, ladies. Mwah. Um, June says Michelle Van Dusen, they're speaking the truth about you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> Michelle says, I'm more like one size fits most. Oh, Michelle, <laughs> how we love thee. <laughs> oh my gosh. She comes up with these one-liners that I are know. Absolutely hilarious. I will love her name having one L when she told me the reason why it's only what I've, I, you know, I dreamed about that line that night. It was so funny. Because she I, literally comes out with them like this, too. The, easy. They yeah, just come easy. Out. That's a uh, gift, too, you know. That's a gift. Yes, for sure. Oh, yeah. 
when you can do it like that oh yeah it definitely is Mm -hmm. now guys visit amazon.com and check out dr silver Traymore morrison's books okay so the title of her autobiography is almost there almost Mm -hmm. and then jelly beans from heaven is another book and then she has another one coming out that michelle oh it's out it's out it's out it's out out. Mm -hmm. oh i didn't even realize it was out yet okay Mm -hmm. And guys, so the other book that's coming, that is out, um, mm-hmm. and it's on Amazon as well? Yes, yes. Okay. And that one is Me, Satan, God, and COVID-19, The Shock and Personal Truth of My Experience of It All. So guys, those three books are what you want to look for on Amazon. But I honestly, if you like me and you like, girl, I don't even know what you just said. Okay? And you're like, hey, I'm not going to remember that. Well, what you could do is, honestly, you can t- search for the author and you could find it there. That's true. So you that is so movie, true. You'll be able to find all her books there as well, which is why oh, I love Amazon. I just love Amazon. A lot of times now, I think back, like, I don't even know what we did before Amazon and all these other things. I know. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, <clears throat> let's just, oh, Carolyn says, is there any place you have dreamed of performing at that you haven't yet? Um, there are. There- the one place, well, it's not a place, but I've always dreamed of having a full orchestra oh. behind me. And I do a lot of singing impressions. I was just doing share for someone the other night. Oh, share. Yes, and they were like, oh my God, that's like, oh, hey, everybody. I just want to know, you know, but anyway, she's, she's like, uh, so good. I love it. Uh, I and love then it. I do Dion Work and Diana Ross and and the Supremes, Ella Fitzgerald. Because I, you know, I'm I'm also the I'm starring in a one woman play entitled uh, The Return of Jackie Mom's Mabley. Oh, that was going to be my other thing to ask you about was to mention that. So yes. So it's it's uh, we it was actually we were supposed to open at the Howard Theater in Washington D.C. but COVID hit. Right. So you know how COVID just wiped everything. everything yeah. And then when it seemed like it was going to start lifting, we were going to go back to the Howard and then on to the Apollo and then the MGM Grand, all of those other things. But then COVID came back real strong. So now that it's lifted, we're trying to, you know, they have to, uh, those theaters have to honor the contracts they had right when COVID hit. So once they do that, we'll come out. And it's it's such a wonderful play. I get to um, honor eight women who paved the way for me, who I'm trying to pave the way for you guys. So that you, let me say it how I say it. Those women that came before me crawled so that I could walk. I'm walking so you guys can run. And you'll run so that the generation coming behind you can fly. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That gave me goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. Thank and we you. appreciate you for yes. paving the way. Mm-hmm. I, know you, you. I know you had mentioned too, I know Monique is really big on giving you your, your props as well for paving the way for us. Um, yeah. She talks about that. I, I've seen her talk about it on a show um, where she had talked about you, like literally paving the way for us. So like, definitely. <laughs> if we don't know, we know. <laughs> now we know. Monique has been like just amazing. She's been an angel. She um, I mean, she goes on these big shows on interviews, and they'll ask her who are her top favorite comedians. I know she uh, Ti and Tiny inter- interviewed her, mm-hmm. and 
I got all kinds of notes saying, Monique's on the T.I. Tiny Show talking about you. And then, you know, they had all these places out in Vegas where she was doing interviews and she would mention me and talk about me and tell them how she met. She's wonderful. George yeah, Wallace as well. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a few of them that are coming along. They have a really big event that my contract won't let me talk about. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's coming up um, next week. Oh, cool. After next week, I'll be able to tell everybody. Yeah, everybody. Awesome. It's a big one. It's wonderful. It's like and then we'll also stay tuned to your social media to find out information about your one woman shows. Because I know yes. that's be awesome. Too. Yeah. It's the yes. return of Jackie Moms Mabley, written oh, by awesome. Andy Evans. And I don't know if you guys know who Andy Evans is, but he, I've been knowing him since the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. And he wrote this play expressly for me because he that's said, you know, with the eight women that he said, nobody's going to be able to do this like Sylvia. So. And you can pull it off, I'm sure. You're going to nail it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Well, we thank you so much for joining us. Um, oh, one more question they said. Michelle says, one more question. Do you find having wigs, glasses, props helps you to get into a character? Or do you, or do you use those things to just enhance an impression? I think for the first 20 years of my 53-year uh, career, I would put on a Tina Turner wig. And uh, a lot of times I had, I'd have on two or three outfits where I could just take off one outfit and become Tina, take off the next one and become Diana Ross, take off the next one. And uh, well, I wouldn't, that would be it. It would be like, I, I couldn't wear too much because that Tina Turner dress was so tiny and thin, but yeah. I think, um, I think it all depends. Uh, I know I like to use sunshades, a little round sunshades for, for um, Whoopi Goldberg. I like to, use uh I used to use a Wendy Williams wig. So nowadays it's like I've been doing this for so long that I can go right into it without even having to to use any props. And it's like it works so well. So I could go either way. That's awesome. Yeah and the hey you just further prove practice makes perfect yes. for sure. Yes. And that's the thing what a lot of people say well Oh, I wish I could do this. I wish you could do that. Literally, if you dedicate the time and skill set necessary to to hone in your craft, Absolutely. the better it is. And the more you more you grow. Um, she says, these are the questions you would answer in a master's class. So let's create one. Look at this. Trip. She is like literally your she's like your biggest fan right here. Oh, gotta love Michelle. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you do. Thank you, yes. Michelle. Thank you for that. But let's okay. Let's let's talk about it. Yes. I was going to do a a female comedy virtual across oh, the country yeah. and bring on all the female comics, comics, all nationalities, all everything, and we just have one big gigantic classroom. I'd like for you guys to just sit on that. You, Michelle, June, you know, uh, a couple other people that I've talked to about it. And maybe by the end of June, we can yeah. all get together and talk about doing that. That would be cool. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Okay. You are just such an inspiration. I'm telling you. Oh, my gosh. Guys, I'm telling you, that literally, this has been our literally, I think it's been an hour, like literally our hour of black history in the flesh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we are so grateful. And I, um, honestly, if you're up for it next year during our Black History Unit, since you're so close, you know, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. if you wouldn't mind coming down for my Black History program, I'm not going to lie, I'd do it up real big at the high school. <laughs> <laughs> 
black history coming in. But anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And guys, if you uh, are like, man, I wish my friend could have caught this or, oh, I wish I could hear the beginning because I missed part of it. Well, guys, you can catch the replay at www.lesliesaidwhat.com to watch it. Or you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and any other podcast platform. These are just the main ones that I mentioned. But you can look it up and learn more and hear more of Dr. Sylvia Traymore Morrison's amazing story. So again, Dr. Morrison, thank you so much for coming. I'm so honored that you had me. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, wait, wait, but you said what? what? No. <laughs> Leslie said, what? I love that. That is so perfect for you. It's perfect. My friend came perfect. up with it. Literally, I had put it out when I was starting the show. I said, hey, who wants to help me name my show? And I was like, somebody give me ideas. And my friend, Natalie Akers from high school, she came up with it. And I was, when she said it, it just like, bing. I'm like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah. Good job, Natalie. Good job. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank I'm you for having me, Leslie. And I Aww. will see you on the internet. Yes. <laughs> Well, guys, that was Dr. Silver Trey Moore Morrison. Like I said, our literally our little black history in the flesh. Amazing. You guys have seen all the contacts and all the different things that she has mentioned, all the amazing people she's had the pleasure of working with. And yet she took time out to be here. And I could not be more grateful. And also, I can't be more grateful for you guys being here because without you guys, there's no audience. So thank you all for coming as well. Another episode of Leslie Said What is now out.